We've talked about which wells do we drink from when we are tired from the journey. Uh, we all have wells and refreshers, places to go when we're tired. Um, but we said this, if next year, if this year rather, we want to do more, grow more, that's got to include a deeper relationship with Jesus. Whatever God has given you to do, whatever is on your heart, whatever vision you've got, however wonderful that is, it will only reach its full potential if you go deeper with Jesus as well. Um, whatever it is, whether it's uh, your business or in your work that you're doing or whatever you're called to do, going deeper with Jesus automatically means you'll do better everywhere else because you'll become more like him, which means you become more attractive and more wonderful and people are attracted to you and doors open to you because you are like him. Lots of us get it the wrong way around. We think we've got to do this and that and the other and then it'll open, but actually, when you focus on being like him, doors open miraculously for you. That's what I found anyway. Um, so we asked this question, if you got it there, Phil, where, where have you found refreshing? Where have you gone to be filled up when you're empty? Where have you rested? We have to examine where we do go to understand where we're at so we can go on a journey. If you're going to go on a journey, you have to know where you're starting. Otherwise, you'll never end up anywhere. So we've got to examine those places and ask, uh, where are they? And will they sustain us going forward? Is that going to be good enough? Is that going to be sufficient for where God's taking us? And then we explored this idea that the reality of our lives is seen and observed in what we say, how we react, how we respond, what we do, not in words or claims to greatness. It is in how you live your life that Jesus is looking, not in what you tell him you're going to do. We looked at Samuel, this idea of compassion and moving in compassion. We talked about the press of life and when you're pressed, what comes out. I made, I made this statement, being at the end of yourself is a really wonderful place to be. Um, and it is, because... When you're at the end of yourself, you actually become real with Jesus. And you give him the reality of what's going on. And then he can do something about it. When you're not at the end of yourself and you think you're doing wonderfully, God, you, can, you tend to ignore him a little bit. You're not honest with him, you're not real with him because you've got it all aside, so why do you need Jesus? Which is why being at the end of yourself is a really wonderful place to be. And but today, I want to talk more about this idea of Loving Jesus, so go back to this thought of wells and where we go to for rest and restoration and refreshing. Um, it's, it's very easy for us to go looking for what we need in all the wrong places. Um, interestingly, I opened my iPad and for some reason it went to my notes from the 14th of September, which was when Derek Brown was here, and I'd wrote, when we are in trouble, we either go for a substitute or we go for Jesus. And um, of course it's very true. And you have to ask yourself, okay, when I've been in trouble, when it's been difficult this past year, where did I go? What, what did I do? And did it bring me the refreshing I thought or hoped it would bring? Uh, it's very easy for us to go looking for what we need in all the wrong places. Not that those places are necessarily wrong, although some are more unhealthy than others. It's that they don't provide what we need. There's nothing wrong with sitting down and watching the TV. There's nothing wrong with getting in and having a glass of wine. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. The issue is they're not going to actually sustain you like you need sustaining. That's the issue. There's nothing wrong with most of them of the places we go. Uh, more, some are more unhealthy than others, and some are uh, definitely not the best for us. But they don't provide what we need. But this issue comes from how we see ourselves. So this is what I was just <coughs> saying about life groups. If you see yourself as primarily a physical person or as a spirit, you will prioritise meeting your physical need. If you see yourself as a spiritual person who has a physicality, you will focus on your physical needs. So, which is, 
which is why you have to go back to this place rather than go, oh yeah, yeah, I've got to read my Bible rather than have a glass of wine. That, that won't help you. You have to understand who you are and then you'll automatically go to the right place. So you have to ask yourself, am I a phys- do I think I'm a physical person who's got a bit of a spirit or is my real self a spiritual person who at this moment in my life has got a body? Because this is, this is how I think of... Um, and I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's calm down, Adam. <clears throat> the problem is, as I said, if you meet your physical needs first, that doesn't impact your spirit. But focusing on your spiritual need does have an impact on your body. There are many times on a Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, I have not really felt like going and praying for an hour and a half. But I've come down and prayed, and by 9 o'clock, I feel more alive than I did the whole day. I do. I feel alive. I'm like, I'm like, great, what are we going to do now? So I have my little date night with Ian. But, um, <laughs> just because we generally go out together after prayer meeting. We have a wonderful little trip around Asda together. It's very exciting. <laughs> <clears throat> but I feel alive. I feel like absolutely like when I've spent that time, why is that? Because I've fed my spirit and I'm a spiritual person primarily and then that spirit expands out into my whole being. But I know if I sat there and watched TV or did whatever, I'd feel less alive. That's the reality of it. Why is that? That's because I am primarily a spiritual person who has a physical body. Working from your physicality, though, doesn't have the same positive effect on your spirit. That's why a discipline such as fasting can be really powerful. So fasting, which is deliberately going without something you enjoy or appreciate, its purpose is to remind you that your spirit is more important than your body. That's the whole point of fasting. Okay? It's not to twist God's arm or persuade him that this time you're really, really serious about this thing you're praying about. That's not the point. The point is for you to remind yourself that you are going to give up physicality for spirit because spirit is what you really need. So that's why fasting from anything, chocolate, TV, food for a day, a week, a meal, whatever, is really powerful. The whole point of it is when I feel this physical draw, so if I'm going to give up chocolate, for example, not again, Lord. <laughs> if I'm going to give it up, for example, then when I think I'd love to go and get that bar of dairy milk or I'm walking around Asda and just happen to walk around the confectionery aisle, the point is at that point, not, not I'm killing, no, Father, spirit. I'm a spirit man and I need spirit. That's the point of fasting, is that you remind yourself of that, that thing. And so one of, the, one of the problems we have as seeing Jesus as the well when we're refreshed, is that we're so consumed with our physicality and meeting the needs of our actual body. So we have to go on a journey of recognising you are a spiritual person who for this season of your life has a body. You realise this, you know we talk about being born and dying, it's nonsense, okay? If you were in the heart of God before time, that means you were alive in some way, shape or form in his thoughts. And if when you finish your time on this earth, you go and be with him in heaven, you're still alive. So... Really, what we should, when you were born, what happened was you got a body, and when you died, you lost your body. That's really what goes on. You weren't born when you came out of your mother's womb, you just got a body. And you don't die when you get put in a coffin, you just lost your body. You were born before, because God thought about you before all the time. He had you in his thoughts, he thought about you, he dreamt about you, he couldn't wait for you to come out. And then when he did come out, he went, yes, at long last, Matt Lockwood's here, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. That's what Jesus is like. Okay, And then when you, when you lose your body, he's going, fantastic, now I get to give him a hug. That's what it's like. 
But if you don't think like that, if you think birth is the beginning and death is the end, your physicality is all you've got and spirit is this add-on part, but you are spirit. You are spirit. And you are currently clothed in a body. So if you start to think in this way, it'll help you learn to feed what you primarily are. Otherwise, you're just a body. And it's all about your body. And you have to feed it and water it and, and indulge in it and everything else. But you are spirit. And, and, but we've fallen into this trap that people fell into thousands of years ago, and which Jeremiah spoke of, which is this. My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water which is what we do all the time. We forsake Jesus, it actually gives living water and refreshes our soul, and go to other sources that don't quite refresh us in the same way. Excuse me. <coughs> we go to our own wells, but these don't do the job. The refreshing doesn't last, and sometimes it doesn't even refresh us, it actually steals from us, because afterwards we feel worse. Sadly, though, uh, well, what does it mean to drink of the living waters? What does it mean for Jesus to be your well? Sadly, if you've been in church a little while, like me, I've been in church for 36 years now, because I got brought up when I was four. So I've been in church a little while, not as long as some of you, but a little while. There's often been this insistence that there was a certain way you should spend time with Jesus. It was often called a quiet time, and you were encouraged to carve out space every day, sit down in a quiet spot with your Bible and notepad, possibly some notes to guide with you, if possible, every day with Selwyn was an appropriate accompaniment. Sorry, every day with Jesus. It was written by a guy called Selwyn Hughes. But anyway. Um, yeah. And um, so at university, I thought, right, I'm going to go for this approach. In my third year of uni, I had this beautiful house in a beautiful part of Newcastle. Not. <laughs> that I paid £25 a week for. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't in the best part of Newcastle. That's why I paid £25 a week. Um, and I thought, right, somehow I ended up with this, the biggest bedroom in the house. I don't know how I ended up with it, but I had the biggest bed. I thought, great, I've got my bed here, I've got this chair. This is going to be my Jesus chair. <laughs> so I had this nice chair, covered it with a nice, nice rug to make it pretty. Little table, little lamp, notepad Bible there. My Jesus chair, Jesus gone. In the morning I would get up, I'd go sit in my Jesus chair. <laughs> Hello, Jesus. I'd read my everyday with Selwyn, I mean everyday with God. And I'd read it, and that would be my Jesus time. Because that's what you did. Except one morning I'd wake up and I'd, I'd go, oh, shucks, I'm late for my lecture. I only had about four, but anyway, I'm late for my lecture. So I'd get on my bike and I'd forget about my Jesus chair. Then I'd come back and look at my Jesus chair and think, oh dear, I've not sat in my Jesus chair. And then I'd feel terrible and guilty for not sitting in my Jesus chair. And once you've not sat in your Jesus chair for one day, you can't possibly go back because now he's angry and cross at you because you've not sat in your Jesus chair. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we go through this cycle where we're meant to have this thing, and there was nothing wrong in it, as I'm going to explain, but actually it was an instruction, and when you get a particular instruction, get told this is how you do it, it becomes a rule and, and something that you've got to do, and then when you break it, you go into this guilt-shame cycle that means you can't do it again, which is why it wasn't always that helpful, because most people I know felt more strongly about the guilt and the shame of missing a couple of days. <coughs> Don't worry, I'm all right. Glad to see all your concern for me there. Um, <coughs> if somebody could find me a strep, so that'd be good. Um, no, I'll just choke on that word. I don't know. So anyway, <coughs> what would I t oh, my Jesus chair, yeah. So, I have no idea what we're talking about now. <laughs> yes, that was it. So, but most people I know just caught up with this guilt shame that they'd get cover to cover, which was, there you go, thank you, brother. Okay, yeah, I don't know whether I can eat you now. That might make it worse, but I'll have it for later. Thank you. 
So, but most people I know got caught up in this guilt-shame cycle. Or they'd get cover to cover, you could read the Bible in a year. Um, and they'd get through to about the 16th of January, and then they'd miss a couple, and then they'd have to read nine chapters to catch up. <laughs> and you'd go, okay, I'm going to read nine chapters, sit there for an hour. And then they'd look at it and they'd go, oh, it's May. Oh, I can't do that anymore. And they'd go, oh, because that's, that's kind of what happened. And if you're like me, you've been in these places. There is a great problem that a prescriptive approach doesn't work. We are all different and we all relate in different ways. In addition, anyone telling you what to do doesn't work because it becomes a rule and a ritual. It's, a, it's a, another process and procedure to get to Jesus. But Jesus is about being in relationship. And you don't have any other relationship that you operate that way, as I'm going to explain to you. Now, of course, I'm not saying that's not a legitimate way to interact with Jesus. It is. And if it works for you, wonderful, fantastic, well done. But just if you miss a day, get over the guilt and the shame and get back on it. Okay, I realise for some people it works wonderfully well for them. And I'm not in any way kind of killing it. I'm killing the, the guilt-shame cycle that can come with it if you get into that place. Because um, if you have a Jesus chair, you go for it. It's fine. If that works for you, that's fantastic. I'm just giving you an example of where I was at that point. But it is also this whole idea of, well, I'm going to have 10 minutes with Jesus at the start of the day, is an interesting way to have a relationship. Because I don't sit down with Faye and go, right, Faye, we're going to have our 10 minutes together today. <laughs> and then I, don't, I kind of just disappear off and like, right, I've had my 10 minutes with Faye now, that's my marriage all sorted. And just wonder about my day. Do I? You, nobody does that. Well, not if you want it to work anyway. All right? I don't have any of my friends where I go, right, every day at 9 o'clock, we're going to sit down and have 10 minutes together. And then we're going to disappear off together. Like, I interact with them at different times in different ways. And they interact with me at different times in different ways. Why? Because we are individuals. We are all different. And it's not just they're all different, but we all have different seasons in our lives. So for me to go, this is what you've got to do, is very, very difficult. You know, so there's Simon and Andy were leaving home at six, half six, driving to work. They're incredibly busy with lots of responsibility. They're getting home at seven. Then they've got the young families to look after. But then there's Alec and Edna who have got a bit more time on their hands because they're retired. Well, they're probably as busy, but, <laughs> but they probably are. But they're free to denote their own schedules and times. And then there's people who have got big households like me with four kids and a dog running down. And then there's people like Joe who's just got her in her house, which has all its challenges, different challenges to me because I go home to loads of people. She goes home to nobody. That has its different challenges. So do other people like Margaret. But that's why this prescriptive approach can't work because we're all different. We all have different environments and sit in different places and do different things. We all live with different people or don't with different people. And, and that's what, that's the key. It is a relationship. And all of your relationships are different. So you were different to me. So your relationship with Jesus is probably going to look different to mine. That's okay. In fact, it's healthy. Which is why we have to be a bit careful sometimes when we kind of go, oh, I've got this wonderful thing about being with Jesus and we want to tell everybody about it. That's wonderful, but we have to be careful we don't tell them that's what they've got to do. Because that's them and that's you. And in your season of life, in your environment, and in your place, and at your time, in your walk with Jesus, it worked for you. So tell everybody, because it's great, but just tell them what you did. Telling them what to do is probably not all that helpful. Exciting with what you found, of course. There is, though, one principle that will be true that lies behind any way you build any relationship, whether that be with Jesus or somebody else. And we see it in creation. In fact, we see it in the very object that allows life to flourish on the earth in our own sun. Our sun is dying. That's why it gives life. 
In fact, our sun, have you got the next one? Our sun burns through 600 million tons of hydrogen every second. But it's dying. And that's why it brings life. Life comes from death. And you only have to look at the sun to see that that's true. And then you have to look at Jesus as well. But it's all in creation. Look at all the leaves and the flowers that are around now. They're all dead. Why? Because they're going to regenerate life. They have to die, fall to the ground, and then it brings forth life. Life comes from death. To grow any relationship, to, be, <clears throat> to bring more and more life into a relationship, there must first be death, a giving up of something, a death of something in order to bring life. And there isn't a, a silver bullet in this. We live, and you have to understand that you live, in a silver bullet culture. A culture that says, uh, I just need to do this and I'll be sorted. That's why you get hit with the 40-day diet, or the 30-day this, or the 20-day that, or the seven things to do this. And if I just do all these things, boom, it'll all get in order. But this is a relationship with a person. And you can't, there is no silver bullet for a relationship with a person. There's just an underlying principle of death bringing forth life. And in your relationship with Jesus, he's already done all the dying and brought forth much life. He's ready, waiting, wanting to know you more, interact with you more, listen to you more, speak to you more. He's ready. And if it's a relationship, perhaps we can apply some things we know about relationships to our relationship with Jesus. Because it is just like a relationship. And we know that in terms of us as people, there are five, what we call love languages, five ways that we love one another. Um, are they there for? So we can express love with each other through physical touch, kind words, gifts, time, or actions. Now, clearly, we can't interact with Jesus in a physical way because he's spirit. But I want to show you how there's many ways to build your relationship with Jesus. And being in the Word and sitting and reading your Bible is one of them. But there's many others as well that I want to show you about. And um, so, first of all, kind words. Jesus loves your praise and worship. He loves you to praise him, bless him, sing along with him. And as some people, they receive love in words. Words is one of my love languages. But Jesus also, I believe, wants to be loved in all these four ways. He wants to be loved in words, in gifts, in time, and in actions, which means you can operate in all of them, but you'll have a strength, because you have a strength <coughs> naturally anywhere. Because what happens is, the way you want to be loved is the way you naturally give love. So it's not easy for me to say wonderful things to fear because I'm all about words. But she loves in a different way, which is all right. And part of relationships is learning how you love one another and learn to love one another in each other's love language. Most relationships fall apart because they try and love each other the way they want to be loved. The problem is to that person they're loving, it's, it's alien. It doesn't mean anything because they're going, but that, that's not love to me. But anyway, let's, let's not go down that road. <coughs> Letting Jesus know how wonderful he is through words. And when I say words, I, I really mean, let's branch it out into communication. We're talking songs, poems, art, music, dance. All sorts of ways you can express love to him. Perhaps it's singing along to a song which speaks of his greatness, reading aloud a psalm, writing a song about him, a drawing, a painting, making a sculpture. Not, not for sale or to entertain someone, but just because you love him. Perhaps it's writing a poem or an essay. Perhaps it's adding new words to an old tune. Perhaps it's speaking out his... Love to you. That, of course, has a name in the Bible. It's called prayer. But we don't always see it like that. We have to widen these things out into, into the reality of it. So words are ways that you can interact with him, ways you can love him and bless him. And that might mean initially getting a, a, a group of songs that you like, the, like worship songs, 
and singing along to him. Great, that's worshipping him, spending time with him, blessing him. And then you might suddenly realise you've got your own little song that's just a couple of lines and singing it to him and expressing that way. Your words are powerful and it's the way you can love him. Okay, gifts. Gifts. Jesus loves gifts. And one of the ways we can express our love to him is by bringing our finances under his rule and authority. So the word speaks of a tithe, of giving 10% of our income back to him. Then it speaks of gifts, offerings, thinking about the poor and the needy. Then it talks about being a good steward of all we've got. So how do you express your love to him with gifts? And not just what you give in terms of a tithe or looking after people, but you're also meant to be a good steward. So are you using what you've got well? Which, which means things like reviewing what you spend your money on. It means things like, it means making sure your mortgage, your insurances, your utility bills, your phone bills, you've got a good deal on them. You've not just been with the same insurance company for 10 years because you can't be bothered looking at it, when for two minutes of your time you can save hundreds of pounds. You're not with the same gas company because you've been with them for 10 years because if you are, you are wasting some money. But these are all practical ways we can love Jesus. I know it sounds like I'm Martin Lewis, but, and if you don't get his email, by the way, you need to get it. If you don't get his money-saving expert email, every week you get this email, completely free, and it tells you tons of ways you can actually manage it and win it. And it's not difficult. I know it's not difficult for me because I know this stuff, but it's really, it's all there. But these are a way you can love him. We've got to think wider than sat there reading my Bible. No, looking after what you've been given is loving and expressing love to him. It's an important thing. Are you loving Jesus with all that you've been given? And Jesus says money is the least of all things. So don't tell me you are if you haven't reviewed all your direct debits. I, I know people have got stuff going out there. They have no idea what's going on at the bank account. No idea. Well, that's the way you can love him. Then you'll find some more cash as well, which is always nice, isn't it? So are you loving him with, are you loving him with that side of your life? Time. Time with the word and in the word. In any relationship, we must spend time getting to know one another. And God is revealed primarily through Jesus and through the word. But I realise that some people can sit and read and meditate and ponder, which is wonderful. But that's not for everybody. Some people are highly dyslexic and can't read. Some people have never been taught to read. They just can't read. So asking them to sit and read a Bible is a complete waste of time because they can't read. Or they struggle to read, so it takes them like five minutes to read a verse and then they get frustrated because they can't read quickly enough. So we can't just tell people to read the Bible. But hey, praise God, these days we've got Audible Bibles, there's a Bible TV series on Netflix, which is fantastic. There's the Message Bible, there's the Mirror Bible, which makes it easier. There are reading plans, there's apps on your phone that'll even bip to tell you when to read it. There's all these opportunities out there to be with him and spend time with him. Of course, and, and some people, you know, I love reading. I got like seven books for Christmas. I thought, well, fantastic. If they got five books for Christmas, she'd like, be like, this is a rubbish Christmas. What have I got all these books for? <laughs> Because she doesn't really enjoy reading. She finds it difficult. Unless it's like completely quiet, she finds it difficult to concentrate. That'll be some of you. So I realise me going, let's read three chapters a day. You're like, well, I need, I need 20 minutes of complete silence. Where am I going to get that? I realise that's difficult. But there are other ways. Audible Bibles, watching it, there's ways to do it. You can find ways to do it. But it's not just about reading, it's also about listening. It's about quieting your soul to listen to his voice. And of course, some of us get a bit like, okay, well, what the heck does that mean? Listen, God primarily talks to you through your thoughts, okay? You don't have to wait for this audible voice to come to you, okay? God spoke to me many times, I've never heard an audible voice, okay? 
I've never had um, you out to go to Asda and buy some fish fingers for somebody, all right? <laughs> I've never heard that. I've just had this thought that it might be nice to go to Asda and buy some fish fingers for somebody, and I went and did it. That is God speaking to me. That is God talking to me. If I read his word and I see something, I think I just, it resonates with me, it captures me, it gets me, it grasps me, it challenges me. That's God speaking to you. That's it all the time. It means that when we talk, we're also talking about listening. It's about being willing to be aware. It's about being willing to go into the cinema and then go, okay, God can talk to me. It's about being willing to listen to an album and, and being, okay, being aware, just being alert. It's about being in the classroom and being aware that these kids, God can speak through these kids. It's about being in the canteen at work. It's about being wherever and just being aware that that conversation in the shop, God might want to say something. From this person who doesn't know Jesus, Okay, last one, actions, serving those around us. We express our love to Jesus when we serve those around us, when we stop thinking solely about ourselves and look to meet the needs of others. It's another expression of how we can love him, of building up a relationship with him. Who can I serve today? Who can I bless today? Who can I reach out to? Show them God's love. Who can I give a hug to? Who looks like they need encouraging? Who can I offer to meet up with? Who can I offer to help? Who can I send a text to? Who can I call? Who can I email? Who can I Facebook? Who can I Instagram? Who can I... Oh, all the other ways you can do it. Okay? These are all these different ways we can love him and grow in our relationship with him. It's, it's so much wider than you sat with your Bible and reading it. And listen, again, if that works for you, beautiful, praise God, carry on and love it. But I know there's a number of people who struggle with it. And also, if you do do that, well, you have to go, okay, well, I've got that one. Well, what about all these others then? What about all these other ways of expressing him? Because, of course, we're all, we'll all have different strengths. Some of you will find it very easy to think about everybody else on a Sunday morning. Others, you will find it very hard to think about anybody else but you. That's okay. We're on this place, on this journey. And he wants to be loved in all these different ways. And we've got to learn to love him in all four ways. And as you do that, you grow in relationship with him. And also, this is why our Sunday mornings look like they do. You notice we always have some time when we sing to him, time to express kind words. We always have time when we can think about our finance. We always have time in the word and with the word. And we always have some time before and after when we can serve one another. That is a deliberate thing. That didn't just happen. That is because I want to make sure that every time we meet together, there's opportunity for the love of God to be expressed in all the ways it can be expressed. That's why we do what we do. It's not because that's what churches do. It's, there is a reason behind it. Because we want to give you, you know, some people, they love the worship. They're like, oh, let's just worship. I'm not bothered about the word or the hugs. Just, just let me worship. Other people are like, just let me hug and talk to people the whole time. Other people are like, Faith, shut up. I want to wear Adam. Other people are like, Adam, shut up. I want to wear Faith. All right? It's okay. Because we all love these different... Other people are like, I just want to give. I just want to... I love giving to Jesus. Just get to the giving bit. That's okay. That's okay. Because we want to express it in all these different ways. What about you? How are you doing in each of the ways he wants to be loved? Is there one you can work on? Because remember this principle, if you were going to build this relationship with Jesus, if the sun is going to allow life to flourish, it has to die. So something will have to give, something will have to change, something will have to be different. But I think there's all those different things and you go, okay, yeah, I know. I know for me I've got to be more like this. I know for me I've got to be more like that. I know for me I've got to do this. And just allow God to speak to you with where you are at on your journey with him and where you're already good at and what you're already not good at and what you've already got nailed. It's okay. 
Let's just allow him to speak to us about what it means for us. What can you give up to receive more life? In what way can you change your habits and lifestyle to drink the living water that he offers? And, and it doesn't have to be a massive big thing, but something will have to die in order for you to get life. But this morning, I really wanted to widen your thinking from, from sitting down with your Bible. Because there's many, many ways you can read that these days. We're very blessed. And of course, all those things are important. And this is where you primarily get to know him. But God can speak to you in all these different ways. And I want to, I want to open your eyes. And I wanted this morning to, to give everybody an opportunity to go, okay, there's something I can do to move my relationship on with Jesus a little bit more. That's why I want to talk about all these different things. There's something we can do. And please, again, I, I'm not in any way kind of um, criticizing any of those things that I talked about because I realize it's beautiful to sit with Jesus. It's beautiful to have a space. Some people that works really well and you carry on and enjoy it. It might work for you, but just if you do that, don't fall into this culture when you don't do it that says I can't go there. Because it's fascinating. Like, if I said that someday I'm going to get with you for a coffee and I, I, and I missed it, I wouldn't go into this big guilt-shame cycle that I can't possibly meet him now because I've missed a coffee with him. You wouldn't do it, would you? You wouldn't go, I can never go for a coffee now with, with Nathan Ellie because I missed one, that's it. it. The relationship's finished. I can't go and be with him and spend time with him anymore. I just go, Nathan Ellie, I'm so sorry, I forgot. Please, can we rearrange? And I'd gone with it. So why with Jesus do we do the complete opposite? It's completely ridiculous. Because he's just going, it's okay, don't worry. Don't worry, I'm here. I'm ready whenever you're ready, I'm here. Don't worry. Once every three days is better than none every three days. It's okay. But you work out how it's going to work for you. Shall we pray? Father God, I want to thank you that you are a God who relates. You are a God who is all about relationship. You are a God who wants to know us and be with us. And thank you for all the ways you've revealed yourself to us. But Father, I ask for each of us here, Lord, Lord, I do pray, Lord, that, that some opportunity or way of growing their relationship with you would have grabbed them this morning, Father. There might be something that they can go, excuse me, that they can go, yeah, I can do that. I can learn to love Jesus in this way. I can look at this. I can look at that. I can look at the other. And Father, I thank you that you, Lord, if there's any of us right now that are still carrying that kind of image of you has been upset because we've not done this or not done that. Father, I just want to lift that off people, Father. You don't put it there. You don't put guilt there from not doing this or that or shame there because I've not done this or that. Father, you just want to be with us. You extend forgiveness and mercy continually. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we might just think of our relationship with you more and more in the way we think of it with other people, Father. That you are a person to relate to in lots of different ways. And Father, I thank you that as we do that, we will we'll just be kind of bowled over by how we grow and know you in your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.